Welcome to Tiger Talk, the podcast for Mercy High School in Middletown, Connecticut, where we talk about everything Mercy, including students, faculty and staff, alumni, and leaders in our community. Learn more about Mercy High School at our website, mercyhigh.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest episode of the Tiger Talk podcast, where we talk about everything related to Mercy High School in Middletown, Connecticut. My name is Alyssa Dijon. I'm the president, and I am so excited to be joined today by an alumna as well as three students. And I think you're all going to be very interested um, in this podcast as well, because we are going to talk about writing and what it means to be a writer. And so uh, I'd like to first introduce Kristen Higgins from the class of 1983. Kristen is a New York Times, USA Today, and Publishers Weekly bestselling author of more than 20 novels. Kristen, thank you so much for joining Tiger Talk. It's my pleasure. Nice to be back, even virtually. Thank you so much. And I would love to have the students introduce themselves. So hello, Emma, and welcome to Tiger Talk. Hi, my name's Emma. I'm a sophomore at Mercy High School, and I am the president and founder of the Writing Club at Mercy. And hello, Cora. Hi, I'm Cora. I'm a freshman at Mercy High School. It's nice to meet you. You too, honey. And hello, Ava. Hi, I'm Ava, and I'm also a freshman at Mercy. It's very nice to meet you. So, Kristen, I would I would first love to talk a little bit about when you first uh, thought about the idea of being a writer. Well, I didn't really think of it until my 30s. I, I always loved reading. I used to sneak romance novels into Mercy High School. I was like the <laughs> the black market head of romance novels at school. Um, I loved to read, you know, I always thought that whatever kind of book you like to read, whether it's fan fiction or fantasy or romance or mysteries, um, just reading is such a great way to spend your free time. It's such a gift to yourself and, and your brain. So I, uh, I was a reader first and I didn't really plan on being an author. I wanted to be a doctor, um, a pediatric surgeon. And I um, went to college and quickly found out that I didn't have the right kind of intellect to be a doctor. And I was thinking like eight years of this, I'm going to die in a month. So I switched majors a couple of times and ended up graduating from Holy Cross in Worcester uh, with a degree in English. And I got a job writing for a public relations and advertising firm making below poverty wages, um, but having a really great experience in the world of writing for, for profit, you know, writing for, to make your company or your client money. And so I learned to write short, vivid sentences, get people's attention, make them feel welcomed by my client, my product, the school, whatever it was that I was writing for. And so I did that for, I don't know, eight years uh, or so. And then I had my daughter, who is a Mercy class of 2014, and then my son. And the whole time, like the one thread that has run through my life is that I've read books, some from Yertle the Turtle when I was four years old, which was the first book I read by myself, to, you know, reading the great works at Holy Cross and and reading romance novels and mysteries and and you know pretty much whatever whatever I could get my hands on when my kids were little 
and I was a stay-at-home mom and I really liked that and they were getting to be school age. So I thought I need to figure out a way to work from home because I really love this mothering thing. And what, what can I do? You know, I don't have a lot of life skills. I'm really good at babysitting and um, dog training, but you know, it was hard to think about making a living doing that. So I thought, I wonder if I could write a book. And the only way to know that is if you try. So um, I gave myself two years to do it. By the time my son started first grade, I thought I will have sold a book or I will go out into the world and like become a bartender. And the book worked. So I wrote a romantic comedy because I thought that people would like to read that. People like to laugh and romance is fun. And I, I've been under contract ever since. So that is like 20 years now. And I've written 21 or 22 novels at this point. It's not always the easiest job, but it is always the best job. Um, I know, you know, Emma, I know you had a question about Kristen's first publication. My question about your first publication was, what was the process as like a new author trying to navigate the publishing process? Because I've heard that's very difficult and what it felt like to finally see your work on a shelf? That's a fantastic question. So when you when you finish a manuscript, you're like, okay, you know, what do I do now? That There's a whole other chunk of writing, the business end of writing. Um, so I thought I'll get a literary agent. And I went to my library because this is, um, you know, in the early days of the internet. And I looked through Publishers Marketplace and I tried to find agents who were representing authors in my genre. I had to know what genre I was writing, you know, so bookstores can say, well, this is a romance, a romantic comedy. So I had to figure out some things from a marketing standpoint. I had to know, you know, how long my book was, that that it was completed, that it was comparable to these authors. And so I wrote a letter and sent it out to a bunch of agents, got rejected by a bunch of agents, um, eventually got signed by an agent who, um, who was my agent for most of my career. I just recently changed firms because she's semi-retired now. So she took the book and she's the one who knew who runs which imprint at the different publishers in New York, you know, which publishers would be advantageous for me to sign with, which might go under in a couple of years because publishing is a tough business. So now I'm published by Penguin Random House, which is the biggest publisher in the world. And without an agent, I think it would have been really tough for me to get in. Basically, you just have to like have somebody crack the door for you and say, I I have this new author. I think you're really going to like her. She's really funny. She's got a great voice. Take a read. And so it's easier to do with an agent. Then once you're signed by a publisher, you know, so it's so exciting when they're like, you know, you have a deal and you're going to, my first publisher was Harlequin. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a Harlequin author. I've read all these Harlequins over my life. And then it's like, okay, but first you have to revise the book that you thought was perfect, you know, that you spent like a year revising. So the editor will weigh in with these changes. And most contracts say, if you don't make the changes to their satisfaction, they don't have to publish your book and you have to give the advance back. So I was all for it. You know, these editors, agents, they're in the business of selling books. And that's a completely different brain than the business of writing books, you know? Um, So I I listened to them and my first book came out in November of 2006. And um, it happened to be my husband's and my 15th anniversary. And we went to Montreal 
we drove up there and we were in this really cool underground mall and um, we were in a bookstore and my husband saw my book and he's like, oh my God, honey, they have your book. And he, and he held it up. They had two copies in the store. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I like start crying, you know? And um, my husband's like, my wife wrote this. My wife wrote this book. We sold the two copies <laughs> that they had. And it, it was amazing. And um, I remember a couple of weeks later, I, we got home from uh, my, my daughter's science fair and I had this email and I didn't recognize the person who sent it. I was just about to delete it when I realized it was a fan letter. And I was like, oh my God, it's like a stranger read my book and really liked it and like actually reached out to me and wrote to me. Um, her name was Andrea Weaver. <laughs> from Wyoming. Hi, Andrea. Um, I'll never forget her name, you know? And so, you know, you go from being this very private person who works alone. I worked in, you know, on the couch and then in the cellar before I eventually got a a pretty nice office over my neighbor's garage. Um, But, you know, you're just sitting there in your little house doing your thing with the kids running around and the dog licking your feet. and, And then, like somebody from somewhere has read your book because they were at Walmart or Target or Barnes and Noble or their little indie bookstore and they picked you up and read you. It was amazing. It was just a dazzling feeling. And it it still is all these books later, you know, I've hit all the lists and, and won awards and stuff like that. And, but when somebody writes to you and says, I loved your book. Wow. Thank you for writing it. It's just incredible. So rewarding. <laughs> That's so fantastic. And it helps you for all those weeks and months that you spend by yourself saying, I don't know if this book is going to fly, you know? Sure. I know um, that's actually a great segue to one of Ava's questions about if you ever have writer's block. Uh, Yes, Ava, I do. Um, (laughs) But I don't really have writer's block in that I can't write anything. I write crap is that's my writer's block is like, this is terrible. I'm going to delete it all tomorrow. You know, I have no good ideas left. Um, This will be my career ending book, but you just keep slogging through. And I compare, I had a horse when I was growing up. I compare it to, you know, mucking out a stall that you've, you've dropped your grandmother's diamond ring in, in the horse manure and hay and mud, and you have to rake through it to find that diamond. And that's what writing a book is like for me. I'll have an idea. I'll start writing it. I get about 200 pages in and I think, is there any other idea you could write, Kristen? Is there anything you've got, you know, waiting in the wings because this is terrible. And I have thought that every time I've written a book. So I think that's part of being a writer is thinking I've got nothing left. I've got nothing left to say. Who did I think I am that I could do that? And the reason that we published authors who write for a career are successful is because we we keep going and we don't have to make it perfect. We just have to get it done and then we can shine it up and polish it and, and make it lovely and send it out into the world. And every single writer I know from Stephen King to Nora Roberts to Amy Bloom, we all feel that way at one point or another. And for me, I feel it every book. I think that when you doubt yourself and you question every aspect of your story, it actually makes you a better writer. I've gotten to realize this hatred of my book and this self-doubt and worrying. That's just part of the process. It's just a necessary part for me to like dig a little deeper, make it a little more authentic, and just keep pressing through to when I can get that manuscript into something that people would buy. 
Cora, you wanted to talk about outlining, right? I did. Personally, I struggle with coming up with a plan before I write. So I really wanted to ask you, do you have a sort of system or just any sort of strategy that you use to try to draft or create stories? Well, um, that's another fantastic question. And, And the answer is I do, but everyone's way is different and there's no right way to do it. There's just the way that works, you know, so whatever works for you. I have friends who start they just write a sentence and they keep going all the way to the end. For me, I usually come up with the idea for a book first, like in a one sentence thing. What if the, my next book will be um, called Out of the Clear Blue Sky? And the premise of that is what if your husband left you the day that your only child went to college 2000 miles away? And you know, so you your life is just torn up in the single day. And then I start to build on the characters and the setting and and the relationships. I love outlining. I love the freedom of it because like, yeah, no, that's not going to work. Just scrap it. And you don't feel like, but I threw away 30 pages, you know? So I use a program called Scrivener, which is um, an app you can download. And it's for screenwriting, for novel writing. And it helps me stay organized. So I'll say like part one. We meet the character in ordinary life. That's the first scene. She's on her way to work or, you know, she's on a bad date and, and we we go from there. The next scene, she's with her family. The next scene, you know, she has a run-in with the hero or something like that. Sometimes they're really elaborate and I'll have like six pages of dialogue. And sometimes it's just like dinner with family. And when I write um, the actual book, I write it in sections. So each scene is a new document because for me, it's a little overwhelming to have like a 200 page first draft, you know, that's a third of the way done maybe. And if I open it, I'll go back to the beginning and start reading it. So for me, again, this works for me. It might not work for other people. I write a scene, close the document, open a new one, start the next scene. So it's almost like making a quilt, you know, where you, that you make the squares and then you stitch them all together. So that's kind of what works for me. And, you know, what I advise you ladies is try different ways, you know, see, see what really speaks to you. Maybe outlining is great. You know, maybe it stifles your creativity and you just want to go from, you know, that first sentence and, and write a hundred pages and then decide, okay, now I know what my book is about. So experiment. I have taken classes in writing and a few have worked for me and a few haven't. Everybody has their own, their own method. You know, people have sticky notes and whiteboards and notebooks filled with stuff. I have my laptop. That's pretty much, I always say, I can't think if my fingers aren't on the keyboard. That's great. Um, Eva, why don't you ask your question about inspiration? Okay. My question was what authors or books have inspired you and your writing? Every book you read leaves a mark on you, either, you know, something wonderful that elevates you and think, oh, that writing was so beautiful, that story, I didn't see that ending coming, or I loved this book so much, I felt like I knew the characters, or this was terrible, I could write a better book, you know? So for me, I try to read a lot of different genres. So I read um, suspense, I read literary fiction. Um, one of the greatest books I've read in the past couple of years is Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. It's probably going to be something you need to read in high school or college. It's it's a great literary work. You know, it's like To Kill a Mockingbird or something. It's one of those novels. And 
the writing in that was just so gorgeous and evocative and the sense of place where the little girl lived was so magical. I took a lot from that book. Like it, it's like watching a beautiful sunset or something. You just sit back and say, wow, I'm so glad I saw that, you know, so glad I experienced that. I also love like one of my favorite writers has always been Stephen King. I love to be scared by fake things and he is the master Uh, I started reading him when I was 12, which was far too young, but it was a different world back then. I was very sheltered, but you know, like anyone who can make your heart pound is a great writer. And I think he's a great writer and and, um, he has some beautiful novels, some wretched novels, everything in between, but he's Stephen King. And then I, I love, you know, a lot of books about ordinary people because my own life is is, you know, happy and boring and normal. You know, I'm married. I I have two kids. We have a house and a dog and a cat. You know, I don't, I can, I could never write a memoir because, you know, I just don't have that interesting a life, which I think is, um, you know, there are people who can write incredible memoirs that you think, how did you live through this? Or that was so funny. Most of us don't have those lives and we don't have like that remarkable journey. It's much more internal the growing and learning that we do. So I think that the the things that really inspire me to write books are situations that happen to people I know, conversations I overhear on the train or the restaurant or the radio. And I think, um, ooh, that sounds juicy and difficult. Let me write a book about that, you know, a divorce or a a young person dying or um, an estrangement in the family, or, you know, in some of my earlier books, just being able to find that person that you love and want to spend your life with. So inspiration comes from, from really everywhere, you know, movies, TV, strangers. One of the books that I wrote, in fact, I I grabbed a few here. This one is um, Pack Up the Moon. This was my most recent book. Mm -hmm. And this was inspired by uh, me seeing a man standing on the beach in the winter. And he just looked so lonely. He looked like the last person on earth. You know, it was a bitter cold day and he was just standing out there looking at the ocean. And I thought, he looks like the saddest man in the world and I want to save him. So I wrote a book about a man with a tragedy. You know, he loses his young wife to a terminal illness. And then like, how do you live? How do you survive? How do you get through that to be happy again? That was the story I wanted to tell in that book. So, you know, the writers that I love are the writers who paint a picture for me, make me forget that I'm a writer and just someone who's lost in their story. And um, yeah, I mean, I read all the time. I listen to books. I, I read them physically. That's my favorite, but I'm never without a book. That's really exciting. I think it, I think that answer lends itself well to Emma's question too, about finding your voice right? Trying to think about inspiration and, and, and things like that. Yeah. My question was kind of, you know, in a world where people already say this, it's already been written. How do you find your voice in that? Well, that's, that's just it. If you try to come up with a plot that's never been written, you will find nothing. You know, there's, there's some saying that there's, um, there's only two plots in the world. Someone comes to town or someone leaves town. And if you think of any book from Harry Potter to like Grapes of Wrath, <laughs> that's true. Harry Potter leaves town and goes to Hogwarts, you know, Grapes of Wrath. They, they follow the, the migrant um, fruit pickers work. So don't try to reinvent the wheel. Don't try to be so creative and so crazy that no one has ever seen this, you know, because 
I think you you dig yourself into a into a hole that way. The thing that makes your book sellable and makes people want to read it is your voice. So you could tell the same story, two people fall in love and they live happily ever after. That's every romance novel ever written, right? Um, Someone is murdered and they find who did it. That's every mystery ever written. So what makes it unique is the way you tell that story and the depth that you get into with your characters, how your reader can relate to those characters, you know, whether they're the president or, you know, the cleaning lady or you know, the guy who sells hot dogs on the street in New York, as long as you can feel their feelings and express them on the page, you're going to write an interesting book. And the way to refine your voice is there's only really one way, and that's to write a lot. And it it doesn't have to be novels. You don't have to write a lot of novels before you find a voice. You can write papers for school. I mean, that's when I started figuring out that I was a pretty good writer, was actually at Mercy. And you know, I remember Mrs. Garska. Is she still there? She's not. She retired okay. a few years ago. Yep. Okay. I was going to say she shouldn't still be there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she deserves to retire. Um, I remember her saying, just like tapping my desk and saying, that was, you're, you're a good writer. That was, that was really good. And I was like, oh, well, thanks. You know, so write a lot, journal, blog, write fan fiction, it, whatever you do, it will, it will keep refining your voice. And there will be a point at which someone can pick up a page of your stuff and say, Kristen Higgins wrote that. I don't even need to look at, you know, the title or the author's name. I I know her well enough. I've written reviews. I write reviews anonymously and I only review books that I like, but I'll get a a thank you note from the authors. Like I could tell you wrote this. Thank you so much. So, um, so refining your voice is a huge part of being an author and some people hit the ground running and that you just say like, Ooh, that, that is so fresh. I love the way you said that. Um, I'm thinking of the young woman who wrote, um, the hate you give Angie Thomas, you know, from the first page of her first book, you're like, Oh my gosh, this is just so alive and interesting. And I feel it so deeply and, you know, this is a story about a young woman who sees her friend killed by a police officer. I've never seen my friend killed by a police officer, thank God. And um, I didn't have the same experiences that this young woman had, but it didn't matter. You know, I was in that story. I felt those feelings just just the way she would have. That's a gift. That's voice. And, you know, I don't know how long Angie wrote before she got published. I, got, I published my first manuscript. Most writers I know did not. Some people, it was their 15th manuscript that got published. Some people, it was it was more than that. And a lot of us have said, oh, I've been rejected so many times, I just may as well give up, including my friend Stephen King, who threw away the first chapter of Carrie and decided he would just continue to be a janitor and maybe try to become like a promoted janitor. And his wife fished those pages out of the trash can and said, I think you have something here. So having faith in yourself is a really big part of being a writer and and also being committed to being a better writer. You know, you shouldn't think everything I write is so incredibly wonderful. Wow, I'm such a pearl. I'm such a diamond. That's not a great attitude to have either. You should say like, this is pretty good. Can I make it better? And uh, keep pushing yourself that way, especially because you girls are young. You know, you're getting started so young. It's so 
fantastic that you already know you like to write, wherever it takes you, most people don't have that kind of creativity, that kind of brain that produces stories. So you're already really special in that this is how you entertain yourself is by telling yourself stories. I remember learning that most people didn't do that. And it was such a shock to me. It's like, well, what do you, what do you do when you're falling asleep at night? Or like when you're folding laundry, (laughs) must be so boring. (laughs) (laughs) I know um, Cora had a good question too about social media. I was wondering personally, I know social media for a lot of people can be a great way to build a fan base or just even being exposed as an author. So how has social media been a way to build a fan base or being able to be published? Well, I I wasn't on social media when I was first published because I was very shy, um, believe it or not. Um, now I've like traveled all over the world and given speeches to thousands of people and classes and all that stuff. But at first I was like, oh God, please don't make me talk in front of anybody else, you know? So I started with... Um, social media. First I blogged, then I got a Facebook page and then, you know, Twitter, Instagram. I'm not on TikTok because I am too old. Please (laughs) support me in that belief. I'm not going to get on TikTok. But what I I think I had an, an innate knowledge of why people read my books. It was because they could relate to my characters and my characters were like ordinary folks. And they told about things that we don't necessarily admit you know, like, oh, I ate an entire bag of sour cream potato chips last night. And, you know, my tongue is still raw from the salt, <laughs> but but I'll put that in a book and I will also eat the potato chips. There's an emotional honesty to my books. So I thought that's how I have to be online too. And my, my readers will say like, it's, I feel like I know everything about you. They don't. Um, they know a lot about me. I'm very honest there. I'm very authentic. You know, you can tell I love my children. I love dogs and food and wine, you know, and and these are the things that I post about. And social media is so weird. I just posted something, Cora, this week, and it was about how I fold my towels. I fold them in thirds. I just cleaned out a closet and I found this little graphic about how do you fold your towels? Five million people saw that. It's been shared tens of thousands of times. I have tens of thousands of comments on how to fold a towel, which to me is probably the most boring thing that I've ever posted, but everybody had to tell me how they folded their towels. And, you know, and I think this is so weird that this is what we're talking about, but what that does is that, you know, the next time I post something, maybe about a book, more people will see that. So there's like a whole game of playing social media um, people love pictures of of my children. My daughter got married this past June. Who doesn't love a wedding? And my husband's a firefighter. My son-in-law's a firefighter. They love seeing pictures of, of my son and me. And so they feel like we know you, Kristen. We've watched your daughter grow up. So I, I think being authentic, being entertaining, it can be a real black hole. I mean, I could do social media all day, scanning for content, creating my own content. It's it's a great way to feel connected to your reader. And I do think it's an important part of an author's job. But also, I think you should be very careful about what you post because the internet is forever. And as aspiring authors yourselves or just like fans, start following the authors you like, start commenting on their stuff. 
start building your writing community. And someday, like I get this all the time, someone will say like, Kristen, I just wrote my first book and it's going to be published. And I was wondering if you might blurb it or just read it. And I've been following you on social media. I might even recognize their name, you know, because I I try to be personal. I can't respond to every comment, but I mean, I got 10,000 comments about towels. I'm not going to go through them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it, I, I might say, yeah, of course. I, you know, I remember you came to my signing in Detroit. Yeah, sure. I would love to read your book. So um, it's a, it's part of that networking and um, community building. It's, it's very influential and something we authors can't ignore. It's amazing. This has been a fascinating and inspiring. I can tell just by, you know, seeing the girls nodding and, and so interested in what you have to say. Girls, do you have any final thoughts or, or questions for for Kristen? It's funny that you mentioned uh, Stephen King because last year I bought his book on writing. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, and I I haven't had a chance to actually sit down and read it. And last week I actually opened it and read the first five pages of it, and I was like, "Wow, <laughs> this is really good." It is. It's a beautiful book. It's it's a quick book. And just about every writer I know owns it because he's one of the most successful authors of all mm-hmm. time. And it's nice to, to hear his stories too. Um, one thing I want to say is that, you know, you can make a living being a creative person. Mm-hmm. I make a very good living as an author. I was very lucky. I'm very hardworking and I, and I always keep pressing myself to do better. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do something because you might not make a lot of money doing it you shouldn't make your life's work something that just earns a good paycheck. You know, it's nice when they go hand in hand, your passion and a good paycheck. And, you know, it's nice to have a car that runs and that kind of thing. <laughs> but I, I say, you know, you're 14, 15, 16 years old, do what you want, go for it, you know, identify your goals and your dreams and, and make a path for that work hard. That's fantastic. And I, and I loved hearing your story too, about how you loved to read and you enjoyed writing and you knew you were a good writer, but that wasn't how your path started, you know? So it's your path can take twists and turns. Yeah, um, I wasn't published until I was 41 years old. Right. And so that's just something I think for the students thinking about it to know that and to see, look, you look at this, this wonderful example of an alumna who, who has had a very successful career and it, it wasn't one straight path. Right. You know, so it might not be a straight path, but keep it fixed in your mind. This is where you want to be. Keep working at it. It's perfect. I know that I'm going to, when we, when we finish this podcast, I'm going to get off and um, comment on how I fold my towels. So I will, you can look for my comments. <laughs> or else I want your, I want your towel folding techniques. Yes, mine is not in thirds. So I'll, I'll let you know how that works. Kristen uh, Higgins, thank you so much for joining us uh, on the Tiger Talk podcast today. And Emma, Cora, and Ava, thank you so much for bringing such wonderful questions and just being inspired here. This is um, part of our Mercy community, and we're so lucky to all be a part of it. And thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast today. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to the Tiger Talk podcast. Listen to the latest episodes at mercyhigh.com or subscribe to get the latest podcasts delivered to your device. 
either at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. 